0: Turn off the lights. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to episode four of The Confused Dad. It's Sunday, the 22nd of April, and I'd like to start this podcast today to talk a little bit about birthdays. So I recently attended a birthday of a lovely little three-year-old girl, and something that struck me throughout my life, and I'm not sure why this is, or at least I'm starting to understand it, is I absolutely hated birthdays. I I hated having them, and I hated going to birthday parties. And I kind of reflected on this um, I, I, over the course of my life. I've, I've always wondered, because you get sort of, you get people who are birthday people. They'll tell you like three months from now, it's my birthday. And they'll count it down, you know, 90 more days to go. And are people who just would like their birthdays to pass and there'd be no fanfare whatsoever. And I'm definitely the latter. I prefer just not having anyone know, ever, um, and I'm not sure what that's about, but I tie it to something, there's something to do with vulnerability, of of having people acknowledge you, and I kind of see it in children as well, that there's differences, it's not a universal love, it really isn't, there isn't this, it's going to be my birthday, and it's fantastic, phenomenal, amazing, um, my own son often speaks about how he doesn't want to get older, and there's something in that. I mean, if you look at the anti, anti-aging industry, the cosmetic industry, I think there are many, many adults who would definitely prefer not to get older. But for my son, there's a, a real sense of fear of, of losing something, particularly revolving around being non-lovable or not loved in the same way. That being younger means... And I think we all suffer from this, like as we move on to different phases of our life, it it strikes us like, oh my gosh, we can't claim ignorance anymore when we're in our 30s and 40s, like, oh no, I should have known that, or I can't just say, you know, I'm just a, a wild and carefree teenager, I can't just do something and, and you know, uh, and just blame my youth, I now have responsibilities and I have to I have to act like them, and I have to act like my age. And uh, my own son has moments where this idea of getting older, it really terrifies him and saddens him on some level where there's a loss, something to do with losing how we see him and how we love him and how we think he's awesome and cute, like he wants to go back to being the baby and that that kind of cute, and that kind of innocent and almost like, there's almost a the sense that if I could just go back there, then I don't have to, like I can't be held responsible for things and and there's less, there's less pain or less confusion or less fear that is caused by my own interpretation of things as opposed to just, you know, I'm sad because people aren't giving me my bottle quick enough. And I think for myself as well that the birthday thing, I just, there was a level of vulnerability and and I suppose... Notwithstanding the fact that birthdays have become a massive industry now, people are spending thousands on throwing parties of various themes and getting entertainment. I mean, back in the day, a party was, and I only went to one or two before I completely decided I was not the party goer. But there were a few plates of sort of cheese chips and some snacks, some sweets, and and the adults sort of stood around and had tea and sandwiches or something. I don't even know what they did. Um and that that's changed. Like there's this whole emphasis on a curated experience for the children, which, you know, is awesome that there are businesses that do that all the time and, and there's no knocking that. Some of them are phenomenal at what they do, but it's almost like a, a two-year-old child who'll have no recollection of, of the details of the birthday has to have all these things created so that an image is presented to the outside world of on some level that we are doing well financially, that this is the thing you do as a middle class individual. You hold birthday parties that have a thematic elements, right down to the types of drinks and the glass bottles they're in, and the flags and the labels and the bunting and the flags and stickers and all of those things. And I'm slowly starting to come to terms with the fact that most of the things, the stuff that I want to have is merely a reflection or a deflection of something which I need to deal with. And that is, I want to own the stuff because I think it will make me more creative. And if I'm more creative, I'll actually make something much like this podcast. It's just, it's, it's almost like you have writer's block as a writer until you get the laptop that's right for you. Then you can write instead of writing with a plain pen and a piece of paper. And then as an artist you have to have the absolute right medium, you have to get the right kind of pastels, the right kind of paint, the right kind of paper and you can sink hundreds of hours into researching the various thickness of paper just, just to create something. And Things that are more technical like photography, gosh, you go down that rabbit hole, no, I'll definitely take photographs, I'll definitely explore my photographic passion the moment I can drop X amount of money on the right kind of gear. When you already have a phone and you can really start practicing your your photographic eye but we well i i find excuses to not create because i'm afraid and birthday parties coming back to those there was a level at which i felt vulnerable and i felt exposed and i felt scared and i didn't like being the center of attention i still don't but there are people that do and that's okay too It's just nice to know that now, as an adult, I can be quite comfortable in enjoying the cake and singing and being part of it as best I can, and acknowledging the fact that I'm just not much of a birthday dude. And I also felt like, strangely enough, like, why should I go to this person's party and give him a gift, and he gets like 30 other gifts, and this dude's like, getting gifts, and I'm getting nothing. And that was there was a level of unfairness there, like, no way, dude. You can't just invite me and get a gift. There were children who would invite entire classes of children. Like, yeah, everybody come. And they raked it in, man. It was freaking unfair. And I totally, totally found that to be highly wrong. Like, you can't have a birthday party and walk away with, like, 10 He-Man action figures or or walk away with, like, 15 boxes of Lego. Like, no way. You didn't earn that. You just had a birthday, damn it. But I was fair. So I didn't go, but I didn't have any either. And um, that's a very interesting Uh, reflection for me in that yeah some people just love birthday people and that's okay but there's this vulnerability aspect which I want to delve into especially with with men I think even though the world has definitely come a long way from the days of the father standing outside the hospital smoking a cigar while the mother gave birth to the child there's still a fear there there's still an apprehension about vulnerability And that vulnerability goes right down to things like birthday parties, believe it or not. Something else which really interested me very recently is our affiliation or our relationship with brands that we grew up with. So your soap and cereal and shampoo and all the things that you associate with childhood, those things become so deeply entrenched into who you are as a person. Often you'll, you'll buy the same soaps that your mother used and you'll buy the same washing powder and you'll buy the same custard and you'll buy the same bread and there's something interesting in that now when we are more conscious or, or our family is starting to become more conscious about the spending we're doing you there's almost an emotional an emotional tie or connection you have to certain things that you you you're afraid to give up or you're afraid to cheat on so you may have a cereal you have a certain kellogg's cereal which You know, has always just been a staple for you as a kid and then as an adult in and out. And there are other brands uh, that are cheaper and that you don't associate with that part of you that was a child, that Saturday morning cartoon and cereal kind of thing. And you have to be able to be brave enough to say, hey, I have a preconceived idea as to how this product is going to be based on the fact that it's not my childhood one. And the same thing goes for everything beyond cereal, experiences you had as a child, and I I find this to be very true for myself, is that I will project what I think my son may or may not enjoy, what they will be adverse to, what they will be passionate or interested in based on my own experiences that I had as a child. And it's really hard to separate that because it's all you have to go back to. You obviously want to share the things that made you most happy and you want to show those things through your eyes because when someone shows you something they're quite passionate about, then it's it's possible that, that, that just that passionate energy transfers through you into them and it gives them a kind of momentum or a head start. However, I can't control and that's something which I think is important for me to really think about and to uh, appreciate about my son. And that is my interest or my passion about something is not does not mean that they will be interested or passionate about that thing and that they're going to find things that they're really into and that may be not only disagreeable to me on some level, I may not be interested in whatever. In my case, it's it's really just sort of competitive ball sports i'm i'm not that guy i i absolutely hate rugby and cricket and soccer and and really hating those things deeply in a country like south africa where you know it's it's the lifeblood of so many people it puts you in a very big odds at very big odds with a large portion of the society who who find that something they really spend a lot of time and energy on And I have come a long way in that I don't judge anybody for enjoying those things, but my son tends to be a very sort of physically more risk-taking kind of guy compared to me. And yes, that obviously has to do with my upbringing and that there was a real sense of risk aversion, which was really not healthy. I'm not saying we advocate, you know, backflips off the roof into the pool. What I'm sort of saying is that even climbing a jungle gym to a height that might make me uncomfortable is something which my son must explore, and I have no right, or, or I have a, I have a responsibility to work on myself enough so that that apprehension doesn't leak into him, where he doesn't attempt something purely because I wouldn't, or I was raised in a way where I wouldn't. And there are things which obviously, that are universal. Like I didn't just randomly run run across a busy road and. I don't need him to explore what it feels like having, you know, his body hit by a truck. That's not that's not what I'm advocating. I'm sort of just saying allowing him to explore in ways that are healthy within his framework so that he can build up his own sense of risk taking. And I think that's important. It's important for for, for both boys and girls but but I think in terms of testosterone levels and muscular development and just the general boyness of, of a boy there are things that they want to explore physically and that it's so easy to make them afraid of a very natural desire and hey yes if you break a bone damn break it when you're young because those things repair like wolverine break it when you're older and uh, it's going to cost you and you're probably going to need a new hip but I'm sort of I find myself uh, wishing or longing for a lesser fearful childhood in the eyes of my parents because I think it would have allowed me to believe more in my own ability, my own ability to take risks that were healthy. I mean, I, I look, for example, at climbing trees. I never did that. I really found that the very notion of climbing a tree, not only could I fall out, but the bar could. bark hurt me and there could be bugs that could sting me and the leaves smelled funny and, you know, we sort of complain and moan about the millennial framework where, you know, people today, children today, teenagers today have uh, challenges in that they're unwilling to put themselves through some strain. But I think some of those elements are easily transferable to any generation. Again, there were generations that sort of told the child, you know, you climb that tree whether you like it or not, when you fall down and break your leg, you pick yourself up, you walk it off and you climb it again. That for me also doesn't, it just doesn't resonate for me, that kind of removed, you know, you got to toughen up. Yeah, it's World War One, it's World War Two. you know, you're probably going to lose both your parents, you're going to have to pick yourself up, put on the gas mask, you know, stop, drop and roll, hide under the table, the bombs are dropping, whatever. That's different, but... I don't know if that extreme is necessary either. I just want to be careful that in a healthy manner I don't transfer apprehensions or fears or, or likes or dislikes in ways that are very intense, enough to change his mind about something without him first exploring it. And that, I think, is is a fairly good awareness to have um, because I think we do want to challenge him But that challenging comes from him. He's going to challenge himself rather than trying to prove me wrong that I said, you know, he couldn't do something because I was afraid. Or the opposite where he doesn't try at all because I have basically put him off it. Or I was so intensely passionate about it that, you know, he feels that he can't live up to whatever standard I have for him. Or I'm so into it that I actually inundate him or or kind of um, saturate him. So I think there's something to be said for just allowing, just watching and observing and working on yourself as a parent. That's at least what I'm trying to do and asking myself, am I being incredibly intense here because of my own experiences? And how much of of that am I projecting right now? Because it's almost defining him as myself before he gets a chance to grow up and have his own podcast and talk about how he became himself so that's just some thoughts i had around that kind of allowing for healthy risk allowing for healthy personal challenge and seeing where the path leads you and again it's a, it's really just something to work on and not as a parent to beat yourself up about it's moment to moment day to day um and just allowing children and allowing people adults too to just gently and respectfully go through their own process and see and be there for them to catch them either way, not prove them wrong and not congratulate yourself because you were right about it all along uh, in the same breath. And the last and final thing I'd like to leave you with is my current practical journeys with regards to this new week uh, coming up one of the things which my son has started speaking about is he's quite excited at this notion of homeschooling and being in education as long as I have and being burnt by an experience that has recently unfolded over the last couple of weeks. I've found myself in a situation where I don't ever want to return to a classic, call it school structure and an opportunity that I have now for my own son is being able to learn alongside him and use the skills that I have accumulated over the many years in teaching other people's children to also transfer some skills to my own son, whilst at the same time not making it too schooly because I think from my experience and my observations, the best learning that I've ever seen children and people make are ones where you work alongside one another and you challenge each other in ways that help you grow as people and in the same at the same time you're learning certain skill sets so starting next week we are going to have a morning session a reading lesson and i will be using um, materials that i'm familiar with Um, the book is called the ordinary guide the ordinary parents guide to teaching reading something along those lines and um, i'll be working through those lessons they're all very short broken into little bite-sized bits and already he's showing an interest in in letters and reading and he's doing a little bit of it all the time and he can actually write a few words now, mom, dad and his name, he can write those down and and it's just phenomenal and I, I'm so positive about it and he is too and I don't want to project anything onto him that isn't there, like I don't have to steer him away from, you know, formal learning because he wants to. So I'm going to be starting with that as from tomorrow I'm excited to be able to share with you how that goes and my own experiences because it's quite different um teaching my own son directly as opposed to having him around in a school setup where I've got to get on with things and I did have an opportunity recently to be in his class um and actually directly teach him and he really enjoyed that and I think what's not to love about it like being alongside your parents or being alongside one or both of your parents and and my wife said something i mean she 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 really hit the nail on the head when it came to saying up until now because of the life we've led we have had to outsource the learning or the direct teaching to other people and those people as wonderful as they are and, and make no mistake um, we've had the luck and and we we've, we've done the hard work of making sure that that he has always been alongside some of some of the best possible teachers out there there's still something to be said for not having that and having to take some ownership and and a conscience a conscious awakening for us to realize that he is now ready, willing and able to be alongside us and for us to teach him stuff too and we teach things on a daily basis or at least i did till very recently and my wife has for many 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 years and she continues doing that which is which is incredible to have such a pool of knowledge and, and just a pool of 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 like muscle memory when it comes to just being able to do it. It is interesting and I can't wait to start that journey. So starting tomorrow morning and you'll hear from me as to how that first lesson went and what it was all about. And I'm happy to take any um, comments or questions that you have if you're starting your own journey or if you already are on your journey. Um, with regards to teaching your own children so that's going to be quite fun and um, yeah we're going to take it as it comes we're also having um working on a kind of cleaning schedule or routine schedule for us in the house um, one of the things like i commented on in my previous podcast is that there's something to be said for being able to iron your own clothing being able to clean a floor and a toilet and you know a bathroom there's something noble and something self 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 reliance is something which is slowly but surely not the norm. It's all about having enough money to get people to do things for you. There's something to be said to doing things for yourself, and I just would like to create a basic little framework that um, both he and myself can work uh, alongside each other and help each other to maintain a cleanliness in the home and a, and keep a little routines for ourselves. Because yes, um. This may be a honeymoon period. Uh, this may be, you know, acclimatizing to this new, um, this new dance, this new being together uh, for most of the day framework. But at the same time, there's also things that we will then have to do. Um, yes, not at the detriment of of our relationship, but like getting through things that have to be done in the home, and that's that's cool. Like, I think that's a fantastic opportunity to have as a child to really see your own your own dad, like doing the stuff that was not too long ago seen as not the role of, of, a, of a father. I think that has got to on some level, and it has, I mean, there are plenty of people now who are not they're not coming from that scenario where you as wife have to do the cleaning and cooking and I can't do it. and you become almost like paralyzed as a father if, if that's the scenario you're in. Like, and the less you the less you do, the, the less you know how and then you're almost like riding a bicycle. You might have done it at some point in your life, but if you don't do it for 15 years, you you start to believe you can't even balance on the thing. So it's the same thing with doing stuff around the house. And I think that will also give us a sense of of time and schedule helps just, I think, frame the day. Otherwise, I think it can, it can uh, swing the days wildly with regards to emotional, sort of being emotional. If we're having a bad day, it can feel indefinite. And if we're having a good day, um, that can also feel, you know it could be too short and then oh no the fun's all ended so i think it helps to just have sort of stages to the day without becoming completely and utterly sort of schedule watching and and uh calibrating every moment of our day to get things done because just being together is also really good and important for us but i will update you as to how that's going as for now i'm going to go and watch the rest of elvin and the chipmunks 4 i believe with my son and my wife and I will speak to you tomorrow so thank you for listening and leave me any comments that you like or send any questions that you have to dads at gmail.com until next time bye guys